0: Well, JC, me, you, and everybody else who are blessed enough to call themselves Lakers fans have something new to celebrate, which is not something you can say a lot in this league, let alone for this franchise. So as we welcome everybody back and into the Ethos Lakers podcast together, the Lakers, the first ever, the inaugural in-season tournament champions. JC, the only thing I have to say besides, you know, wow, is that it feels like they almost didn't know how to celebrate because none of them had ever been in quite exactly that moment. But this was wonderful for the Lakers. great. because AD 40 and 20 is amazing. But the overall takeaway for me more than anything else, and then we're going to get into it, the Lakers are finally looking like a team starting to gel.
1: Yeah, and I think the most important thing that came out of this tournament, and we'll talk more about what we both initially thought and kind of i think we both sort of realized the same thing is that like the tournament we didn't know what to make of it nobody did it's a new thing we didn't know how players would react um didn't know whether or not players would take it seriously and and you know one thing that we forget about lebron james is that he's he's a team he's a pass first guy he's a team first guy and so like why wouldn't he relish the opportunity to help make his teammates a boatload of extra money and, yeah, on top of that, I think the the bigger picture is from the beginning of the season, the Lakers came together, they set a goal, visualized that goal, went out and grabbed that goal. And, to me, I think set the blueprint for the rest of the season. And that's the bigger victory. Like the locker room celebration with the champagne and everything, that's a little silly and over the top. The trophy is nice. But bigger picture, I think the Lakers – bigger picture that you can extrapolate from this is yeah lakers came together set a goal took it and now they know the blueprint you
0: know it's a great point it almost gives them a blueprint a schematic an an agenda directions order of operations whatever you want to call it in order to follow for the rest of the season i don't think it's coincidence that the lakers are starting to look more complete as their roster has become more complete still missing gabe vincent of course But, you know, with the return of Rui Hachimura, this nasal injury, he's had a very odd start to the season, very uneven because of injury and usage and just general flow. But also the return of Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, he, he is still not playing a major role on this team in terms of his minutes, but just the fact that he's back and the Lakers are able to utilize him in certain lineups and create mismatches on various points of the floor, I'd be really curious to see how this team moves forward once Gabe Vincent, if Gabe Vincent, That's the thing is I don't really know what the status is there. Lakers have been pretty quiet about that. But assuming he is able to come back at some point, you know, basically the only thing that the Lakers have to trade realistically in terms of an immediate asset is is D'Angelo Russell right, in terms of the ability to get out of the money and, you know, sort of the appeal to other teams. We'll break that down later in the show, JC, but I just find that to be ca- kind of an interesting subplot here. But you're totally right about the team coming together. I think this is the best that, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James arguably have also looked together as a as a duo, and that has a lot more to do with Anthony Davis than it does LeBron James. The thing with Anthony Davis that drives everybody nuts, because if you notice, he hasn't really been injured or injury-prone in the last quite a period of time now. So that narrative, which shouldn't really have taken on what it what it did, that has kind of gone away. Now the demand for him to just do it more and do it more often has really become more present. That's the first sign of greatness. But the second part, and I think what drives everybody nuts with AD who really watches him, is he has these games like he had in the championship game of the in-season tournament here where he was instrumental to everything the Lakers did at both ends of the court. I mean, there was one sequence in particular toward the end of the game where he closed out really hard on a three-point line. Uh, I believe it was still on Miles Turner before Turner fouled out, and he just followed him all the way to the basket. The level of aggression he was showing defensively and offensively, he wasn't allowing one end of the court to take away from the other. Everybody looks at that and says, why can't we get that every single night? But yes, I mean, the level at which Anthony Davis is playing right now, I mean, it's just it's phenomenal to watch, J.C. And this is I think this is what the Lakers envision when, you know, as LeBron sort of I don't want to say wraps up his career, but it's certainly in its tail end while Anthony Davis is in the midst of his prime. This is what the Lakers had to envision in signing them both as, as they have.
1: Yeah. And we're we're already kind of starting to see a little bit about because he mentioned Gabe Vincent and what he's going to be be when he comes back. And. One of the things I've noticed since they've been at the healthiest they've been, um, Christian Wood got a DNP coach's decision last night, uh, and I th- don't know how I don't think he played very much against the Pelicans either, which is a 44-point blowout. And I don't know if he's not 100% healthy or if he's simply just fallen out of the rotation because Jackson Hayes has been getting a little bit more minutes ahead of him. So the end of the roster might very well be Christian Wood and Gabe Vincent, and if that's the end of your roster, that's a pretty good end of your roster
0: a pretty good problem to have and i think with vanderbilt returning and Rui returning and the lakers having sides with amy Davis and lebron it gives them a litany of options and like you said if jackson hayes is going to play minutes there's only so many minutes to go around
1: yeah and i and think and, and i think there's there's been another interesting thing where at one point a couple of weeks ago like d'angelo De, russell wasn't playing fourth quarters and it's not like his his defense has actually been pretty good so for the couple of a couple of games he didn't, didn't play fourth quarters people thought that was really really interesting but in interviews he's still you know saying all the right things and he's still all about this team and so you know i don't know what was going on during those times when he wasn't playing the fourth quarter but yeah there's just simply too many there's too many good players on his roster and not enough minutes so i think sometimes that's just going to happen and he's he seems to be okay with it which is good
0: and the thing is with christian wood is you know he he's had some effective moments this season don't get me wrong but when he had been playing more recently than not He wasn't exactly the most effective player out there. And to be honest, I thought he started to demonstrate some of the poorer habits that has gotten him into some trouble in terms of his on-court play in previous locations. Just sort of a a lazy approach. He kind of plays like molasses. He plays slow to start with, which is fine as long as the effort is there. But if you're just going to drift around the three-point line and you're not going to crash the boards and you're not going to be active defensively, well, you're not really doing a lot for me out there. And with guys like Max Christie and Jared Vanderbilt, really looking like rotate not only rotation players in Vanderbilt's case, but in Christie's case, a rotation player, but really solid contributors on a defensive end, capable of guarding multiple positions, that's going to cost somebody at least one somebody minutes because the Lakers need defense. Offense is not the problem. The yeah. defensive end has been more of the issue for this team. And if you're going to have players like Vanderbilt and Christie capable of stepping up alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis, then the Lakers are going to be just fine with that level of size on the court as well.
1: Yeah, one of my favorite sequences that I've seen so far this season was the that semifinal game against uh, Phoenix, and Devin Booker's bringing the ball to the court, and Derrick Vanderbilt is with him step for step in the entire way, and, and Devin Booker orchestrate, orchestrates a switch, and off of that switch, now he's got Anthony Davis guarding him, so, like, yeah, with all the wings and Max Christie being able to to be somebody who can stop who can stop dribble penetration, like yeah, all these defensive options are are really great. And the Lakers may not necessarily need the size. The Pacers are a fairly big team, you know that they'll have to contend with. Like, I, I don't know who else who has much more size than than Indiana. Maybe Philadelphia with the Mead, and of course Denver with Jokic. But yeah, I think they're able to play big, big enough with these wings.
0: They are. I'll be honest, JC, in terms of, you know, in terms of in terms of the tournament itself. I mean, the Lakers clearly played with a different pep in their step. They they were vocal about it from the first game. They said, we're getting five Like they were straight up about it. Not even not just Anthony Davis and LeBron James, but, you know, everybody on the roster. And they wanted to do it for the guys, you know, who are on the two way deals or guys who are in their first year in the league or, you know, guys who are just starting to make money. I mean, I don't care how much money you have. $500,000, $500,000. Like that's this half a million dollars. There's no small stakes to that. And the Lakers, you know, for me, it's been a little bit of, it's been a little bit of time. This last week or so in my life has just been, Oh my God. It's been just craziness on top of it being Hanukkah. Happy, happy Hanukkah to those who observe happy holidays, Merry Christmas to everybody upcoming, you know, all that good stuff. And you know, it's just been, it's been crazy. I've been refereeing some flag football games in terms of like, It's a citywide all-star tournament, right, for the Park League. So we got referees going on, teaching, this, that, the other. So just all sorts of busyness. So it's been a little bit of time, but I'm still sitting here watching these tournament games. I'm just, you know, sort of salivating, foaming at the mouth like a rabid beaver who's found his next honey hole, ready to explore, man. Just like ready to unload on this podcast and be able to share my thoughts, you know, not only with, with you, but also, you know, with everybody who's, you know, just continuing to support us, which of course we appreciate. And it's it's a wonderful opportunity to sit here and really look at this Lakers team and think about what's the potential of it ultimately because, you know, Austin Reeves, although he's taken positively to the bench role since he's received it, you know, I wouldn't say there have been as many games as we would have liked where he's really exploded off. I mean, he's been solid, but unspectacular. Then we get, you know, like LeBron said, the Michael Jordan flu game with him in terms of his ability to contribute on the, on the stage when the Lakers need it most. And it gives the Lakers this, this real feeling of, you know, not just continuity but real depth. I mean, there are going to be some nights where D'Angelo Russell – I mean, I still think D'Angelo Russell should be a little bit more aggressive with with him, with looking for his shot offensively in the right context. He's still figuring out how to play with LeBron James. Like, I, I think it would be an interesting experiment, J.C., just throwing it out there. I don't think the Lakers will go for it. But what do you think about – for the Lakers to put D'Angelo Russell on the bench and put Austin Reeves back in the starting five. Uh,
1: I mean, he'd probably have more of a problem with that than Austin obviously would. I, you know, Austin's probably more of a team guy than uh, just because D'Angelo Russell has been, you know, not a superstar, but he's been of that level since he was he, you know, since he was younger. Um, I do think that this is something the Lakers are cognizant of because one of my other favorite sequences that I saw this year was. Um, I can't remember which game, but the the backcourt was basically Austin and LeBron, and it was with a lineup of like Rui and Jackson Hayes and I think Vanderbilt or maybe Reddish, but you know, the, not Anthony Davis and not D'Angelo Russell. And so I think the Lakers are aware that D'Angelo Russell probably plays better with Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves obviously plays really well with LeBron James. And so I think once they get past the starting first quarter, that's sort of where the minutes kind of disperse. And and I think if the, if the Lakers are aware of that, then I think they, they know how to utilize those different rotations.
0: You know, speaking of defense and everything the Lakers have been able to do defensively recently, we would be amiss if we did not bring up Cam Reddish and his effort on the defensive end. I mean, I don't even think Cam Reddish expected this from Cam Reddish, JC. Like, he has been not just a pest, but he's really been Quite effective on that side of the floor. I mean, he's, he's really been not just a solid player. I mean, he's really been more than solid defensively. And he's willing to take on tough assignments. I thought Torrey and Prince might be the primary defender uh, in terms of their attention to Tyrese Halliburton. But it was Cam Reddish who really paid a lot of attention when they were on the floor together. And he's not backing down. And it is fueling his confidence for the offensive game. So there was one, there was one uh, sequence in particular in the championship game where the Pacers had hit a three. Miles Turner hit a three from the left wing, and I believe at the time it was a, it made it a three-point deficit. might have been 92-89. Don't quote me on the exact score, but I believe that's what it was. I'm trying to channel my LeBron-like memory here. <laughs> and then the Lakers came right back down the floor, and, and the Lakers found Reddish, in the corner right adjacent to the bench and he hit a three from the corner, rattled around and went in. And then he sort of kept his hand up there and sort of uh, peacocked it a little bit afterward, it almost cost himself defensively because he was late as a result. But <laughs> it was just this this level of play from Cam Reddish that I just really haven't seen. And I think the Lakers have again, you know, much like they did with Lonnie Walker or guys before him, they they found this veteran player who's capable of shining in a certain role for the Lakers. That's exactly what he's doing. So between him and Max Christie, it's been a very, very, very pleasant defensive development on that side of the floor for the Lakers.
1: And, and I think you mentioned one word uh, in that is it was confidence, and confidence I think is is a huge thing. Like the 2020 championship th- team, uh, we kind of assigned the the word the word to that team of being chemistry, and I think this year's team confidence is is the key to the word because. And I think the Lakers learned some lessons in the way they kind of handled Kal Kuzma because ever since Kyle Kuzma the the idea has been instilling confidence in these players. Malik Monk, Lonnie Walker. Now you've got Cam Reddish and Torian Prince. And Torian Prince especially, I know as players talk about as fans talk about the players who were most at fault or players who aren't, you know, stepping up to the plate and players who are most likely to be traded and things like that. And I even talked about it in the last episode, the solo one I, that I did, just because, you know, as the Lakers podcast, you kind of have to talk about trade rumors. But with Torian Prince, I think the best thing for him is to to have his confidence elevated. And I think he'll step up. He'll have his moments where he steps up throughout the season. And I think as this entire team stays confident as a, as a unit, I don't really think they should be looking at any trades. I think they, they should just be looking to build each other's confidence all through the roster, which is what they've been doing.
0: There, there really isn't a single player currently available on the trade market where you sit there and say, oh, yeah, he's worth disrupting the Lakers' status quo in order to just make a change. And, and yeah. I don't really think the Lakers need a change, to be honest no. with you. Yeah, I mean,
1: last you know, you episode be- I, I talked about how great it would be to bring Alex Caruso back. But, I mean, it seems like the cost would be too great because it, it would at least be some kind of package of, like, D'Lo and Torian Prince and, like, something else to— you know, Alex Caruso and some other pieces that aren't DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. And yeah, it would be great to see Caruso in the purple and gold again, but it, I think this team should just continue to build on what's there.
0: I mean, bringing in a quote-unquote third star is exactly what didn't work last time with Westbrook. And that's exactly what, what became so successful for this team. D'Angelo Russell, the time he came back to Lakers, and even now, I don't think people should be looking at him as a third star. I mean, there are nights where he's the third best player the Lakers have, and and there are nights where he's going to maybe even score the most amount of points on the team. But he became part of a package where, yeah, I know Malik Beasley wasn't as good for the Lakers as he's been in Milwaukee, and part of that is, you know, perhaps market size, comfort, whatever. But also, Jared Vanderbilt. I mean, these are two very, very important role players, and I think that term role players gets this, like, negative, you know, sort of condescending, like, uh, just a role player like a role player is very important and there can be greater role players there can be lesser role players just like there can be stars and superstars and i think that level of nuance like if we're going to sit here and say everybody's a star everybody's a superstar then like what is lebron right because there, there, there has to be something to distinguish those players who just are are in such a different category so if lebron is a superstar Then you know, not everybody else can be a superstar. Like D'Angelo Russell can't be a star. He's not the next level player down. It's not a knock on him. Anyway, I'm gonna get off my, my, my soapbox with that shit. But at this, but at the same time, you know, what the Lakers success right now is that around Anthony Davis, around LeBron James, in addition to outstanding play from them, they have built a successful cast of role players, all of whom are doing their job so well whether it's Reeves, Low, Vanderbilt, Rui, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the line. And that approach, to your point, JC, is why take what's been successful and trade it for something that you have no idea what it is. This team literally just won the first in-season tournament together. They look better playing together. Things look more cohesive now that the roster is healthier. Keep riding that wave. Keep going with that momentum. And let's see where it carries us because right now, The Western Conference, I mean, the Lakers, you know, as long as they continue to win more often than they lose, a.k.a. not a 500 pace, they're going to find themselves in the top four or five spots in in this conference, no problem. We'll see how it ultimately shakes out. I mean, do we think Minnesota is going to finish first overall? Their defense is looking pretty good, JC. I mean, it's it's quite impressive considering they could probably even. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash
1: podcast. Easier said, done.
0: Further improve themselves by trading Carl Anthony Towns.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Minnesota is an interesting spot because while they're at the top of the conference, there's, they've also been at the top of trade rumors with, uh, how they're going to, what they're going to do with, uh, Carl Anthony towns and Oklahoma city, I think is, is kind of ahead of schedule and Dallas is overperforming a little bit, but yeah, Lakers are right there. They're currently fourth in the West, uh, one spot ahead of Denver, uh, Sacramento in, improved. Like I thought they would, they didn't start out the season great, but as great as they were last year, they, I know they're not going to miss the playoffs and uh, Phoenix is probably a little bit down, and yeah, Houston's in the mix. And then from there, you got it's a tight race, like usual in the West.
0: You know, JC, to be honest with you, when you first said Dallas and OKC ahead of schedule, I thought you were going to suggest one or even both of those teams as potential trade destinations for Carl Anthony Towns. And that was about to get real spicy. I kind of like that. So while we're on the topic, Carl Anthony Towns. Real quick, traded or not traded by the trade deadline?
1: Uh, I don't think they'll trade him. I think if if they're going to continue to play really well as a team, he seems to be getting along with, with Rudy Gobert, uh, which I know wasn't really the case last season. And uh, Gobert lately has been playing pretty good. And so, yeah, I think I think Minnesota's got something to build on there.
0: Gobert is playing out of his mind. He is the reason, basically the reason their defense is so good. And their defense is the reason they're in first place. So yeah, he's been great. Anthony Edwards is is on the path to becoming a a superstar. He is a very bright star right now. So we'll see, man. I mean, it's it's going to be curious. I mean, I'm very I'm very intrigued to see how that team builds forward. But I, I think that uh, unless they get their stocks knocked off, I I agree with you. I think they're inclined to keep him. Anyway, back to the Lakers because what we're seeing from. LeBron James, what we're seeing from Anthony Davis. I mean, let's let's go to LeBron, JC. LeBron, he wanted it. I mean, he was so clear. He didn't, I mean, of course he wanted the 500 and he kept talking about that, but it was clear that he wanted to be the first to win that cup. I mean, he even said it in his speech. He said, records are, are going to be broken, but you can't take away being the first to do something. And that's a piece of his legacy that he's going to hold on to tightly. And I think rightfully so. I mean, it's it's really... You know, as as good as Anthony Davis was last night, as great as he was in that game, it was still at various points offensively the Lakers went as as LeBron James came to and from the court. So it's, it's amazing, man. I mean, the guy is going to be 39 in a matter of weeks, and he's just – to say he's unlike anything we've ever seen would just be such a blanket disservice to him because I don't think he's like anything we're ever going to see.
1: Yeah, when when he said that thing about wanting to be the first to be the MVP, I just I I felt so dumb in thinking about you know, when the tournament started, kind of wondering how, how I would bet the tournament and like I, I don't remember what place the Lakers were as far as like betting in the tournament, but then I saw this tweet from a professional gambler I do follow and he's like, What were you guys dumb? You guys were really gonna bet against LeBron James in this thing for him to be the first to do something like Oh, of course I bet the Lakers the whole way. And, and as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, I should have. Kind of like what we said in the beginning. Is like I should have put more thought into what this tournament would mean to LeBron. And from there, it will extrapolate to the rest of the team. And that's even what Darvin Ham said. The reason why this team played as well as he did is because from day one of training camp, LeBron spearheaded this whole thing. Wanting to win you know, this tournament.
0: You know, JC, I mean, and I'm glad you brought it back up again. because. I, I was I, when this tournament was before it even started, I said, this this shit is a money grab. This is just another thing to sell, another thing to market. And wh- while I don't while I don't back down from saying it's it is a money grab. it is another thing to sell. It is another thing to market, I will back down, and I have backed down from saying it's not just that. it it has provided more meaning to these games. And you know it took me I was a slow adopter, to say the least, right? And, and I think, you know, because people like you and me, right, we're going to watch these games no matter what. Not just these games, but other games as well, like random games around the league, whether it's a Tuesday night, Saturday night, whatever. If we're home, we're probably going to have some basketball on TV as long as it's accessible. Right. And so I'm sitting here and several weeks ago, I remember talking to somebody about it and they said, look, it's not really a tournament that's or, or an idea that's for you or for me it's it's a, it's a tournament that's meant for the casuals. And what they were saying was like, you know, this takes a person who's watching NBA maybe once a week to watching it twice a week or two times a week to three times a week. And then, you know, with that reframe, I started to understand it a little bit more. But, you know, just watching these games, I mean, it was clear it meant more to the players. Of course, there's money on the line, right? So I, I, I don't think that... I, there's a small part of skeptic in me that says... Hey, if you identified a group of games and said, hey, whoever has the best record through these amount of games, the winner gets this much, right? Call it a tournament, call it a stretch of games, whatever, there's going to be more effort if there's extra money on the line. But at the same time, there's no doubt it has done something for the league to provide it with a little extra mystique during a period of time where some people are a little passive about it. And then with the Christmas lineup coming up, it has provided good incentive and momentum for the league. So, Adam Silver, you know, credit to you. That's why you are the commissioner and I am sitting at home doing a <laughs> podcast about the Lakers talking about you and what you choose to do as NBA commissioner right JC
1: Yeah it's it's the rare thing that's a win for everybody it's a win for casuals it's a win for you know Lakers fans cuz they won the thing it's a win for LeBron fans it's even a win for LeBron haters like Nick Wright had an excellent Ah, uh, segment to his show where he talked about he's like one of two things is gonna happen on Saturday. LeBron is gonna lose the finals and all the haters are gonna fire up the tweet saying Kobe or MJ would have never lost this tournament. Or he's gonna win this tournament and be like, oh it's just like the bubble. It doesn't count. Like this tournament had any everything had something for everybody. Like
0: <laughs> No that, I mean and in and in that way for me anyway, it was just it was really nice. And I'm glad to be wrong, right? Like as a teacher, if I can't, if I can't admit being wrong, then like, what am I doing teaching? So, you know, I gotta, I gotta sometimes be checked and I can appreciate that in the right context, but at the same time, you know, it's like, you know, just the pure, I guess it's the purest in me. I don't know, man. It's, 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 you know, it's, it's maybe, maybe I'm also a little trauma with the pitch clock and, all these stupid machinations to make b- baseball game shorter and they're like look we've shaved 20 minutes off the game and i'm like great do you think someone who isn't watching a 3 hour baseball game is now watching a 2 hour and 40 minute baseball game every day no okay cool you know so whatever man i'm i'm a little yeah. jaded but at, the, but at the same time <laughs> this obviously worked so credit to adam silver credit to the league and yeah i mean of course it's more fun that the lakers won but it's i would have felt this way regardless of who won and it's fun yeah. to see teams. It's fun to see teams on a stage you wouldn't normally see. I think obviously the league was rooting for the Lakers and Bucks to be in the finals because obviously it's Lakers and Bucks. But at the same time, part of me was like, watch it be the Pacers and the Pelicans because this in-season cup is so weird that it's just going to be weird like that. And then the Pelicans just didn't even show up, man. I mean, that was that game. I mean, the Lakers had momentum going into halftime of that game, just to revisit that real quick. But they came out in the third quarter like. That might be the best third quarter I've seen the Lakers play in like five years. Like they just came out and just throttled them, you know?
1: Yeah. That was the other thing I really loved about that game in particular, as far as like being a blueprint for the season. Like they're up 30 or 35 and they're still hustling for balls. They're still putting forth a really great effort. Like they weren't letting that lead slip away.
0: Yeah, they should archive that film. They should, they should say that, they should save that shit very close to the chest and remember that whenever they gotta go through whatever it is they're gonna go through. But they've definitely been playing better. It's very nice to see. And it seems like guys are a little bit more cemented in their roles. And if they do change a little bit, a la Christian Wood, for instance, it hasn't caused, you know, a ripple effect in the water. And look, I think that they realize, that, you know, they're, they're, they're in the midst of a good thing. They're playing alongside, you know, LeBron James and Andy Davis, which as a superstar duo, the still would be the two that I bet against any other in the league that you could throw at me. And it, it, it's feeling good right now. So, you know, we know that it could turn on a dime because if the Lakers, you know, go on a two or three game losing streak, then you're close to the 500. Than further away from it, but it doesn't feel that the Lakers have that in the cards right now. It feels like you know when they're getting uh, start starting games off, they're starting off on a better foot. Those slow first starts of the first quarter have been better. they haven't been all the way improved, but it's been better, which certainly helps set the tone for the game. And so as they come out of this, you know, little break now that they have uh, a little bit of time before they restart their season, so to speak, because. That game didn't count in the standings or for anything, which is still so weird to me. I mean, I understand it's an extra game, but like I just you got to have some stats count in some way, even if they don't count toward the regular season averages. You got to yeah. have them count toward our total career. I mean, Andy Davis literally had a 40-20 game with like four or five blocks and he doesn't get those stats in any way like that is just so weird to me.
1: Yeah, I, I did what I usually do, which is go to basketball reference and then pull up the schedule and results, and then I'm like, oh wait, that game is oh yeah, because it's not a regular season game, so I had to separately pull up the ESPN box score.
0: That's so odd. that's so odd to me, JC, that that's that's the case. Like, but what I mean, whatever. Maybe maybe in the future, that is something that I would personally like to see. Like, you don't like because it's an extra game, so I understand. So don't include the stats, maybe for the season averages, points per game, assists per game, whatever but maybe do include the stats for the player's career. So that way there's even, you know, if you set a record or something, it can stand. I mean, imagine yeah. a guy having this crazy game where he quadruple doubles with 15 blocks, right? I mean, we're in the age of Victor Wembanyama; Anything is possible. And, and then you're going to tell me that, oh, just kidding, that's not even in the record books. Like it never happened. That would be a travesty for the sport.
1: Yeah, because I didn't, I mean, it didn't happen in this game, but, like, I have season-long bets for, um, you know, play, so, you know, certain players to have more than one 50-point game in the regular season. And it's like, what if one of those players had a 50-point game last night? Does the bet, do I still not win the bet? Like,
0: Crazy.
1: like luckily yeah, that didn't happen, that's... but... <laughs>
0: No, but I mean, I mean, there's a myriad of examples and circumstances in which these stats have to be meaningful in town some way. But yeah. anyway, it's it's great. Listen, it's great that the Lakers are able to win the inaugural one. It's a great experience for the team to come together, bond around a common cause, find find their blueprint, so so to speak, as as you so diligently pointed out, and be able to know, okay, this is how we can win together. This is what we have to do. Darvin Ham seems to have a firmer grasp on what he's doing as a head coach. still a little loose for my liking at too many different times, but he seems to have a little bit of a firmer grasp. And so, you know, I I think that now the Lakers are in a place where, you know, they're going to be able to call themselves one of the better teams in the Western conference. So long as they continue to play with this level of effort, because if the level of effort is there, the talent is going to be there every night. It's just, it's really effort with this team
1: yeah and they just they find themselves in a really interesting spot like beginning of the season we talked about the goal should be six seed or higher because you want to avoid the play-in and preferably four seed or higher so you at least get home court in the first round and yeah ahead of them right now in the standings like we said minnesota oklahoma city dallas like i i doubt that's going to end up being the one two and three in the west and so the lakers have a really good opportunity to to go up even further like much as it would be, to, as nice as it would be to win the West, it shouldn't be the ultimate goal. I think they know what the ultimate goal is, that being the championship, and they're they've got their eyes on that. So, yeah, you definitely don't want to see them go down, but yeah, they do find themselves in an interesting position where they more than control their own destiny. And the plane shouldn't even be an option at this point. They should just keep their eyes on the prize of six seed or higher and just like keep pace with what they're doing, what they've been doing.
0: Are there any rotation changes, tweaks, et cetera, that you would like to see from this Lakers team, assuming, you know, health?
1: I I mean, I don't think so. I I, I like that they were experimenting with Twin Tower options with Anthony Davis and Christian Wood or Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes at the beginning of the season, and it was paying dividends to a certain extent. Uh, but they don't need to do that all the time, and you know, especially now, with like like Jared. Jared doesn't have a lot of height, but he has the strength to be a good defender against bigs. And Cam Reddish can defend bigger wings or small forwards, and then LeBron can defend at least one through four. Maybe not, maybe not against the biggest fives in the league, but yeah, I think tightening up the rotations the way Darvin Ham has been. Uh, has improved and we haven't seen three guard lineups which i mean he hasn't had three healthy guards all season so that's, that's obviously why but yeah i think darvin ham's learning to improve his rotation so
0: it's certain it, cer- it certainly feels like it feels good to feel good right it feels like the momentum is in the right direction it feels like the cohesion is there it feels like there's just a connectedness that wasn't necessarily there at the beginning of the season in terms of just how to play with one another and certain levels of assertion and lineups and things like that in particular. And so as the Lakers come out of this and be able to reflect on an experience that brought them hopefully closer together, they continue to play with that same, you know, vibrato, same style, same energy that allowed them to be so successful in the in-season tournament. I'm really excited about what the Lakers' immediate future holds. And I and I think you know the Lakers now are sniffing a little bit like I won't say blood in the water, but they're certainly sniffing an opportunity. That even two or three weeks ago, I think they had certainly. Uh, when LeBron said Lakers had a lot of things to fix, I think there were a lot more questions at that time. At that time, than there are now.
1: Yeah, and yeah, people kind of talked about that being the start of him requesting roster changes. And I, you know, whatever it is that he said needed to be fixed, they seem to have addressed. And whether that be rotation issues or or whatnot, they, everything's uh everything's not not been fixed because the season isn't over. But they definitely addressed some things.
0: They definitely address some things and they certainly just look aesthetically better, for lack of a better way to say it. JC, as we wrap it up here on the Ethos Lakers podcast, Lakers currently 14 and 9 as they come out of the in-season tournament as the inaugural champions. Lakers are 23, technically 24, 23 games into their season by the 35th game. So that's 12 games away. What should the Lakers have? 22 or more wins. That means they'd have to go at least 8 and 4 in those games. I would like to see the Lakers have 22 or more wins. We think that's feasible?
1: Uh yeah, I think so. They the the play their next 3 games are on the road at Dallas and then two in a row in San Antonio and they're not back-to-backs, which is nice. One's on the 13th, one's on the 15th. I'm actually going to be at that game on the 15th. Uh then they get the Knicks, which they're a tough team in the East, and then the Bulls. And then you know what used to be kind of easy games Minnesota and Oklahoma City are kind of tougher. But yeah, of the next twelve games, they've got a a definite roller coaster of good and bad teams. But uh, you know Dallas is winnable. Spurs they should they should take both Spurs games. Uh, Knicks they should take the Bulls. Uh, Then they got Celtics, Hornets, Pelicans again. Yeah, I mean. 8-4 and is probably, yeah, that's probably about right.
0: I mean, that would be lovely. So, you know, it's going to be, I think rollercoaster is a good way to describe that. But that would be lovely. I would put the Lakers, continue to put them in a good spot. They'd wind up at that time, you know, looking pretty good. Looking pretty solid at 22-13. and We like that from 35 games. JC, a pleasure to reconnect on the Ethos Lakers podcast. Looking forward to doing it a little bit more now that the seeds have calmed down a little bit. Hopefully the holidays will bring a little bit more calm and we just continue to ride this wave that we call the Lakers' success, eh?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, buddy. Until next time, we appreciate all y'all, and we'll see you soon.